A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison of the boiling skies, and everyone that ain't have spies, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, no. Good day, Australia and the world. Broadcasting delayed from the Belmont Suite, I am Darcy Moran. To my left is Kieran Stevenson, and this is a weakness for bleakness. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> we're starting off. Who's going first? You can kick it off. Headlines, please, Mr. Stevenson. Excellent. Kicking it off with headlines, as we always do. Uh... Just a couple of little pieces of insanity. Uh, all right, so this is from the BBC, the, their Welsh uh, division. BBC Wales. Yeah, yeah. This headline is perfect in and of itself. Disposable coffee cup bans unnecessary, says manufacturer. So, uh, Scotland has successfully introduced a disposable coffee cup ban. Yep. Yeah. Or at least parts of Scotland has, and they're they're doing the same thing in Wales. And so, one of the leading manufacturers for disposable coffee cups that get sold in Wales has come out and said, "No, no, it's look, it's it's not going to do that much, and it's going to cost the Welsh economy, and it's going to cost the Welsh people jobs, uh, because." As we know, uh, ransom narrative is the favourite tactic of these fucking <laughs> absolute monsters. Um, I've had coffee in Wales. I can't believe there's a huge demand for these cups. <laughs> well, you know, whatever gets you through the day. If the toxins are going to seep into the liquid and kill you a little bit quicker because of <laughs> shitty, morally bankrupt disposable coffee cup manufacturers, maybe that's seen as a good thing. The problem is they basically cannot make a recyclable disposable cup, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, all the coffee cups that are disposable that have the little recycling logo on them, it mm. turns out there's a fucking insulation plastic layer or there's some yes. kind of wax treatment's been done to the cardboard. But they can't... Well, they probably can, but they yeah. won't recycle them. There's, it's there's not efficient this, enough to recycle them. There's this new process by which they can be recycled, but it's, like, very small scale at the moment and quite arduous and stuff. I watched that uh, War on Waste program from the, the Chaser guy. I forget which one. I forget his name. Was Rucastle? Ju- Craig Rucastle? Was it that one? Possibly. Um, they anyway. all look alike to me, private school boys. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, very well-intentioned show, but, like, the only thing that I came away from that show with was, like, a deep sense of despair over how <laughs> futile recycling efforts are. And this this coffee cup recycling thing was one of them. There was, like, one dude who was like, I finally figured out the right cocktail of insanely dangerous chemicals <laughs> by which to strip this plastic layer off the coffee cups. And I do it in a bucket in my workshop, like, one by one as proof of concept. So I think 7-Eleven here are now in that initiative, but, like... It doesn't. None of none of these things ever actually work. You end up contaminating. It takes like a gram of tempered glass to contaminate a ton of recycling. Wow! So just at fucking. That's extraordinary. Yeah. There was a 
period not hugely long ago mm. where and I, I think this could be kind of like, you know, dipping into the past to save the future. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a ready access to hot coffee all day, just bring a thermos of coffee in to work with you. Yeah, like, what well, a novel idea. Dad still has his, and I still have yeah. my thermos. It's I'm great. A, I'm a very lazy individual. I buy coffee. Uh, keep cups are good. Or just, keep cups are good. You can but just you need take to a have... mug in if you really want. Or... <clears throat> yeah, well, there's that too. There's a bunch of options. Yeah. But um, I want the environment to succeed and I'm a lazy piece of shit about it. <laughs> and that's true for most causes uh, with which I find myself preoccupied. But it just doesn't seem... This is one of those cases of, like, putting personal responsibility as the perceived locus of a solution. Yeah, yeah. For such a- Homo economicus rides again. Yeah. And it's just, it never seems to work. Into it a branch. Every time. This is, there's no one speaking against this who doesn't have a direct personal investment in manufact in, in, in selling these cups, right? The oh, only people not. who think it's a bad idea are people who make money off it. Yeah. No disinterested parties are siding with him at all. No, no, of course not. Because what, like, how naked is this attempt to be like, and it's a minuscule amount of jobs as well. It's already, it's always bad when people lose their jobs, obviously, but we shouldn't be held ransom to the fucking prospect of like 200 people losing their jobs in Wales to potentially, you know, help curve the effects of the extinction event, which we're bringing on yeah, ourselves. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's 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 about uh, weighing up unsavoury options. Mm, mm. And in this case, get those 200 people into some fucking publicly funded renewable energy program or well, something. And there's still a huge amount of paper-based manufacturing that I'm sure you could e- relatively easily convert this plant yeah. into, you know. And also, like, this manufacturer isn't just going to be like, well, my days of running dungeon factories are over he's gonna start (laughs) making some other shit just like direct stickers for fruit yeah or plastic nubs that just tip into landfill to like (laughs) keep the fucking garbage aerated or something anyway yeah the world is dying that's the that's the and the welsh don't care Mm -hmm. they always were the most evil of the celtic nations the welsh um no comment but yes uh, what you? What do you got for us? The generation worse off because of super. This is from uh, Jessica oh. Irvin, writing for the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. Which generation is that? This is, funnily enough, Generation Y, but also oh. Generation X. This is one of the okay. ones where they're in the shit with us. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for this is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Super benefits from compound interest. That's the magic that makes it a wonderful idea. Sure. Unfortunately, loans also benefit from compound interest. Mm-hmm. That is the uh, magic that makes, you know, banks incentivized to give you money that they probably shouldn't. Sure. So, when you lose 9% of your wage to your superannuation fund, yes. and you lose another 9% of your wage to repaying your hex debt, mm-hmm. and then you pay your taxes, you're actually not left with a huge amount of wage. Yeah. And, and that means you need already. to use credit. Sure. So, essentially, the super savings are undermined by credit expenses. Yep. 
is what's that, happening. If that makes sense. Funnily enough, if you're a baby boomer, superannuation has worked oh, incredibly fucking well for you. Well, at least somebody's <laughs> doing well off it. It's good to hear. And uh, when most boomers are in a position to access their super, they can simply use it to polish off that last <clears> niggling <throat> bit of mortgage that was annoying them. Yep. Yeah. And then immediately just a full payment on another property that they can That's right. rent out to some fucking Gen Xs and Gen Ys. Wonderful. It, and this is on top of the fact that, like, our wages are generally kind of stagnant, although I assume that this tracks across yeah. a pretty broad range of income. Yeah, stagnant wages do not help at all, because as living expenses rise and wages continue to plateau, you then have to borrow more and more and more to mm. service your living expenses, and yep. especially if you've got children, which is more of a Gen X problem than a Gen Y problem. This is what's really hitting Gen X, is they've got childcare expenses on top of their own expenses. Yeah, and um, childcare expenses are outrageous. Insane, especially if you feel pressured to send them to a private school or if mm. they've got medical requirements or yeah. any number of other issues that can crop up with children. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> we have, and this is actually pretty amazing, and I'm surprised this isn't causing people to scream blue murder. If your superannuation fund operates mm. in the top quartile of super funds, yep. you will end up with potentially half a million dollar difference at the end of your working life to right. people whose superannuation fund operates in the bottom quartile. Right. That is too much of a fucking gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do I get into that top quartile and how do I then fucking tear the system down well, from inside. It partly helps if you're so financially literate that you don't need a superannuation fund, or well, if yeah. you're lucky, because yeah. it depends on what industry you're in. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's two things going on here, right? One is that constant tyranny of the financial game, which is you have to be, like, it's made for the financially hyper-literate, right? Not mm. for the average person, and our entire fucking economy turns on this game... That's that right. not everybody should be required to have to play. And uh, the second thing is, of course, it's in the interests of this industry to ensure that as many people as possible are in debt and kept in debt and sort of incentivized to go into debt. Yeah, so like, absolutely. Christianity has hell and capitalism has debt, basically. Yeah, yeah, and they both believe very strongly in original sin. The only difference with cap, uh, capitalism magic. is yeah. it's <laughs> fundamentally Calvinist, so it's like, the it's a social mobility joke. I didn't think it out enough before I started telling it, but yeah. Um, well, there's a reason they're not popular, the social mobility <laughs> jokes. <laughs> One of the least appreciated genres of jokes, I feel. Man, what a fucking knock, surprise. Knock. Who's there? Social mobility. Social mobility who? There's nobody here. It was a prank. Ah! Hey! You're right. That did suck. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Shall we keep going? That's why I'm still a bartender. Yes, go. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I'm grouping a number of headlines under my own headline, which is Melania is missing. <gasps> Not oh, Melania. Oh, no. Everybody's favorite first lady, Melania Trump, hasn't been seen in a month. And all right, all right. I need to get a few things out on the board. If this turns out to be incredibly sinister... I will feel bad about making light of this situation. If her body is found in a White House boiler room, 
yes, I will feel bad. I acknowledge that up front. Uh, secondly, m- most probably it's nothing. Most probably she's just pissed off at having to spend her entire life in front of the cameras as Donald Trump's wife. So she's just retreated or whatever. However, boy, do I love the conspiracy theory that's going on around this shit. Um, people are just wondering if she's like flown the coop, if she's gone back to New York to, you know, run away with that doorman that she was fucking when (laughs) Donald first moved into the White House. I think that'd be nice for both of them. Mm. I think the doorman's earned it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so there's a bunch of stuff, but the best little conspiracy theory detail is she did this tweet that was like, uh, don't worry, everybody, I'm still here. I've been working overtime to do this, blah, 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 blah. And people pointed out <laughs> that people cared enough to analyze to point out that she has never used the phrase working overtime in her tweets before. Which well, she's never needed to, certainly. However, very good point. However, uh, our friend Donald J. Trump uses working overtime as one of his, like, (laughs) go-to sort of brain short circuits so that he doesn't actually have to sort of penetrate to the deep tissue. And so a bunch of people are theorizing over, like, Donald logging into her account to send a tweet to throw off the scent, throw off the sniffer dogs or whatever. She had surgery at the start of the month. She's probably just recovering from surgery, but... That seems like a reasonable summation, because she is... I mean, she's younger than him, but she's still over 50, yeah? I have no clue. Maybe. That could be... That seems like... I hope that's not a libelous statement, but um, (laughs) she's of an age where it takes a few weeks to recover from surgery, though. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's perfectly fucking reasonable. Or or she could be just hiding at a... Marks and Spencer outlet posing as one of the cloth mannequins for the... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, incredible impersonation she does. Very good. <laughs> Spot on. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's no secret that their marriage and shit seems to be insanely strained and that she seems to hate the fact that she got tricked into being first lady. Well, wouldn't that- you? I mean... <laughs> Yeah. He was supposed to have died years ago. Mm, yeah, that's the best evidence that she did a deal with the devil, is yeah. that she finds herself as the first lady. Um, so it's probably just that shit and recovery and all of that. But Oh, well. Oh, I hope. I, I almost hope it's something. My main weird. concern is mm. that if something dreadful does happen to Melania Trump, yeah. that, that will put far too much pressure on an already fractured and spasming Donald Trump brain. Yes. And it could result in God knows fucking anything happening. That is a good point. We don't really want to sort of stoke the volatility of Trump. She has to hang in for another, what, 18 months, two years? Uh, 18 months or thereabouts. Yeah, and then if she can leave him during the next presidential election, that will throw him off his game and he'll lose. Oh, yeah, that, that would actually be a pro move. She might be our best hope. And it's actually more like three years, I'm just realising. No, it's this not. January. Oh, so, like, a little bit less oh, than three years. I forgot, because but... their elections go on for so long. Yeah, yeah. And then the inauguration period goes on longer than a royal coronation fucking service. Oh, yeah. Oh. And more ostentatious. Uh, 
All right. Well, it's okay. It could be worse. Yes. It could be... They could have French presidential terms. Ah, uh, yes. Everything could be worse by being like the French presidential <laughs> uh, system. Uh, I actually quite like their little tournament knockout style election system. The two-round system. I like the two-round system. I think it's a really good idea because it gives everyone that chance to go, okay, so this is a bit more serious than I'm (laughs) realizing. All right, focus. Yeah. Real vote this time. Real vote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This time I swear I'm not going to vote for the app that lets me (laughs) select from a radio button uh, list what I want to happen. Um, yeah, what's, what do you got? Let's I've move. got, second headline, this is from Daniel Ziffer, writing for the ABC. Daniel Ziffer. Banking Royal Commission exposes conflict between banks and small business. Mm-hmm. So this is an unexpected development from the Royal Commission. If you're the government, it's a pretty expected development from the Royal Commission for everybody <laughs> else. Which is that the, uh, this is specifically the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, was mm. under the microscope for this one, but there's no evidence that the others operate any differently. If you're a small business operator yes. and you go to one of these large investment banks mm-hmm. for help starting your business... Wait, let me picture it. Can I have a loan? Oh, yeah, mate. Have you got a house? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, mate. Just sign here. All right, all right. Bonza. Uh, yes. And so- we ran the simulator. Now that you've signed everything, it looks mm. like your business is unlikely to succeed, mate. So we've got the house. No. Thank you for your time. No. Is pretty much what's been happening. These, uh, these investment banks have essentially been using small business startup loans, or just loans generally, as bait mm-hmm. with which to trap cash poor but asset rich members of the community who they can fleece for those assets by giving them what they know to be shithouse loans essentially so the say it's the subprime mortgages thing but just for small businesses instead of home people in a way it forms a kind of beautiful recursive loop with those people because uh if we took on subprime mortgage lending practices like the u.s uh, we could sell a person a house that they can't afford and that we know we're going to be able to reclaim, then take that house as collateral on a small business loan, and all of a sudden you've only given away one house and you end up with two. Yeah, it's very clever. Uh, mm. It's extremely wicked. So when we talk about businesses in this context, we're not talking about you know some wicked cabal of money grubbing capitalists we're no, talking about a poor hard-working someone who's self-employed that's pretty much what business means in this context or someone who's got a couple of employees yeah right we're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about homes being repossessed um belonging not only to people who apply for these loans but parents who float their retirement nest egg mm-hmm. as capital for their children's startup um always a fucking terrible idea Don't it's a horrendous do idea yeah it's a bloody horrendous idea, but I can see the temptation if you've oh, got yeah. a child you love and you want them to succeed. Sure. Easier if there's only one or two children. If you've got a Catholic family like Kieran's, it could be a bit more stressful. It might be uh, a bit of sibling rivalry and resentment. Yeah, no, we're pretty chill about the whole thing. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Yes, in an ideal world, shower your children with extremely risky investment uh, moves. <laughs> But you can't afford to do it in this environment, Peter. You can't. You can only afford to take these risks if you can afford to take these risks. And if you're mm. not worth several times someone's lifetime income, 
yeah then you're not in a position to do it and the banks shouldn't be authorizing these loans no of course not um but what a fucking surprise that they are what a surprise that they are yeah when there's a bigger reward for being a prick than there is for being a goodie there's also a big problem with the banks using industry-wide forecasts instead of individual business profiles when they make their decisions so your business could be going quite well but the industry within which you operate might be experiencing a downturn even though you're cutting against that grain Mm. which in a free market system should be encouraged the banks will still just go nah sorry it's a shitty industry we need all that money back right now and kill you uh, are you saying, in effect, that if we were to have another fish and chip shop in a small town <laughs> that didn't do so well that we might get ourselves, like, the socialist version of Pauline Hansen? Uh, very possibly. That yeah. would be great. A sort of ill-informed and pig-ignorant. I mean, it might be Feng. Maybe popular. 20 years later, Feng's previously successful Chinese <laughs> business has been eroded away by Uber Eats and Menu mm. Log, and, you know, yeah. this is the final straw. He came over here to build a better life, and he's worked like a maniac. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just been taken away by a capricious capitalist. I, I, I think uh, I'd like to see Feng's all-nations party rise yeah. up. That's our that's our hope. Feng, you hear us? I know you listen. I know you listen because we're the only people that talk about you. <laughs> Come on, mate. Start it. All Nations Party. Darcy's given you a totally dope name to start off with. <laughs> and undo some of the evil which you have, albeit unintentionally, wrought. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your fate. You're bound up in it. All right. We've um, got, I think, one more headline from you, Mr. Stevenson. Uh, no, we don't. No, we don't? Good. No. Well, with my usual arith- arithmetical aplomb, mm. I will take us to the topics then. Wait a second. Oh, there wait is, a second. There is one other thing that I would very briefly like to talk to talk about before we get to topics. Okay. I watched, as I chopped vegetables last night, uh, I watched the interview with Barnaby Joyce, former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce, and his uh, child mother... Vicky, Vicky Campion. Yes, Vicky Campion. You were they one of a- the very low viewing figures they had. For that yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it, well, you know, it, it was trash, but it was fascinating. Um, so their tell-all interview on Sunday night, Channel 7's program, which I wasn't aware of until last night, Sunday night. Uh, and I just want to point out or laugh at or talk about how ridiculously like self-defeating the format of the program is it's like in the middle of the thing you know it would go to an ad break and it would be like coming up next vicky talks about the hardest decision she's ever had to make and it's the journalist with fake sincerity on his face being like and uh how close were you to terminating and then massive massive push close on vicky's face as she like fights back tears and talks about this trauma and then at the end of (laughs) the program told me that at the end of the program the the little cap that the journalist gives for this story is like ultimately it's the story about little sebastian the young boy who inadvertently became super yeah (laughs) ruined his parents lives uh it's like who, through no fault of his own, became super famous thanks to the 
sort of mean and vicious nature of Australian politics and media. Shows completely unlike ours, which <laughs> sought to capitalise on the misery of this little boy's parents for their own gain. It was the most disingenuous fucking thing I'm, I've ever seen. I'm glad, a circus. You, I'm glad you told me about, about the abortion reaction shot, mm. because when I opened up the news browser this morning yeah the first thing was just this gigantic inflated close-up of vicky campion's face yeah. looking like she just caught her foot in the door yeah and, oh, but the man. article didn't give any context to the picture it was just like look at vicky's face yeah she's was... kind of attractive but with a revolting sad look on yeah. <laughs> i don't know how it makes me feel how does it make you feel it was some pretty fucking brutal journalism down. they were extremely unkind to these fucking right-wing shitheads uh <laughs> in fairness unkind to these extraordinarily selfish and stupid mm. people um, actually, the most interesting takeaway from the program was the revelation. I don't know if it's a revelation. It's certainly not surprising that members of the Libs and the Nats came to her after uh, her unborn child was too old to legally abort and told her still that she had to get an abortion uh, for the good of the party. And uh, these were the people who obviously are extremely vocal about for the good of the party pro life in quote marks. God, so. there was a whole thing with the middle of the twentieth century with the the good of the party took a dangerous precedent over the alleged mm. values of the party hierarchy. Yes, <laughs> yes. What a they called it the bloodlands of Europe. I think didn't they? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the death pit. <laughs> The death pit of the future that, present. That sweet spot right between Berlin and Moscow. Right? <laughs> yeah. well, we get very fertile soil for many generations <laughs> to come. So it's not all bad. Good for the farmers. Yeah. That survive. That's what matters. That's what the nationals are all about. So it makes sense that they would love that sort of fucking rhetoric and ideology. Anyway, uh, that's my diversion. Let's, let's that was hit fun. this topic. Thank you. So I thought I'd lead in. Uh, today by discussing we've touched on this in previous weeks mm -hmm. uh, time to time to just take the uh the andrews by the ears and mm. oh i don't like that image that <laughs> no. very quickly the wrong direction yes. but i've said it now take the andrews by the ears and dive again. into this uh, tough on crime lie that yeah. he has been selling yeah the underlining uh, element of this fiction is that being tough on crime is not the same thing as being tough on criminals. In mm. fact, by being tough on criminals, you run a very real risk of creating an environment in which crime flourishes. Crime mm -hmm. is not uh, criminals yeah. or criminality. It's a, it's a very abstract concept. Yeah, and sure. like when you have wars on terror, yep. and like when you have, you know... <laughs> kind of mo any sort of moral majority yeah. crackdown wars on you know drugs yeah but getting tough on crime essentially boils down to the state using extreme measures to brutalize large numbers of people unnecessarily yeah of course wait and wait 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 provide uh, our listeners with a little background info because we've jumped straight into the abstract what is the andrews government Ah, to right. Do. Yeah, sorry. We've got a few. <laughs> Firstly, it's this. So this all started. Andrews was very promising at first. He was a sort mm -hmm. of you know 
dorky white Obama, wasn't he? We were all very excited. Oh, yay, the the disgusting idiots have been thrown out and, yeah. and this clean broom is coming in and he's got all ideas about the future. Yeah, and, he's digging into the 20-year oh, black backlog of infrastructure <laughs> projects. He's an earnest nerd. He's been mm. thinking about this for ages. I bet he's got loads of wonderful ideas. Yeah. He didn't. He had some good ideas about infrastructure and that was mm. it, it turned out. And so he had to come up with some policies mm. and it started off with Super Max Prison in Werribee for teenagers. Love it. Um, which is oof, just horrific. Yeah. Won't go too much into it. Uh, we then had the onset of mandatory sentences. Wonderful. Which started off on uh, DUIs. Mm-hmm. Drink driving is a, a political buzz mm-hmm. in Australia, at the, well, in Victoria at the moment. Yep. I don't know how nationwide it is. Probably fairly. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say it's probably got, like, specific uh, force in Victoria at the moment. I think we like to think of ourselves as being the civilised state, don't we? So we yeah. sort of have a lot of these barbaric measures in place to make sure people behave in a civilised <laughs> fashion. Oh, and it, just in case you're an international listener and you've never seen an Australian drink driving ad, go and look some up on YouTube because they're some of the most <laughs> fucking hectic ads that they will ever put on... Uh, on television there's one where a dude this is drug driving i guess but a dude smokes a joint at a party and then starts to drive home and I he says this. oh fuck no i'm not good to drive so he pulls over to let his girlfriend takes the wheel he steps out of the car and gets hit by, by a, a truck, truck on the fucking highway and as he's if on to suggest the, the thing is that he's actually on the hard shoulder yeah properly yeah 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 so he's got plenty of space to get out of the car so the, the problem was not that he was on weed the problem was that the truck driver was driving down the fucking hard shoulder of the freeway that was the problem (laughs) and that this guy had pissed off god by doing drugs so that like even when he decides to do the right thing no the message of the ad was once you've made a decision you have to commit to it (laughs) do (laughs) not probably wouldn't have been yeah preferably don't start driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol but if you do start for the love of god directive two is do not stop because god will stay away from the amphetamine mean adult drug <laughs> truck driver uh it's yeah, fucking crazy it's, it's so, yes. lunacy and there was that one with the guy who was like oh how many road deaths do you think 30 road deaths a year is a pretty good number and he was like yeah uh, it seems reasonable what with the hundreds of thousands of people constantly on the roads mm. now like well here's 30 people you're related to all of them have you changed your mind i have changed my <laughs> mind there shouldn't be any people dying ever anywhere it's a bad thing death i hate it 30. what an incredible coincidence <laughs> that all 30 people who died on the road were related to this one dude if we're to take that abstraction and then fucking stupid fucking- of course 30 is fine like it's a you mean, the, you, you, anyway it's not going to be zero it's not going to be zero even when we l- remove human drivers it's mm. not going to be zero but that is explicitly their goal towards zero oh yeah that's right and uh and it doesn't matter what they have to do to achieve that which is the terrifying mm. part public service announcement obviously drink driving is bad don't do it ever mm. right we now have uh it's escalated two weeks ago three weeks ago Two incredibly intoxicated, mad women assaulted a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Well, usually paramedics, when they are assaulted, it's because the person they're responding to attacks them. Sometimes it's a trap and people want their drugs. Sometimes yeah. it's just a loon. 
various sure. reasons. This is a rare case because these women were not involved in the paramedics' business at all. Mm-hmm. They just saw him and attacked him, essentially, seems to be the uh, story. Yeah. And they were drunk, they were high, and they were um, extremely... Traumatized, I'd say by uh, sorry for the long apneal pause. Very traumatized by <laughs> what had been a really horrific and ghastly life. The judge yeah. looked at the case and she said, "Well, look, you know, in view of the fact that a prison sentence would achieve absolute bubkus in this situation, and given mm. that you've been making very good progress with your therapy, instead of a prison sentence, I'm going to sentence you to X amount of community hours." And the reason she did that is because community-based orders are a much more productive sentencing outcome for women on average than prison sentences. Okay. And because, you know, once you've been a judge for long enough, you start to learn that prison achieves fucking nothing. It's a waste of time and money. But that wasn't good enough for hmm. the Premier, who's decided that he knows much more about these things than people who've spent their entire life in the criminal system. And so it's now mandatory, I think... uh, up to five years, but it's mandatory prison sentence for anybody who assaults an emergency worker while they're doing their job. Sure. Not, not while they're not doing their job. Yeah. Only while they're in their uniforms. Yeah. Now, for firefighters, nurses, paramedics, mm. I, I can see a point to be made that these people need exceptional protections. But the yeah. law also covers policemen and correctional officers who won't abuse this at all. There will not be a single instance of verbaling going forward. If we can't find anything to charge Mm. this guy with, oh, whoops-a-daisy, he just assaulted a police officer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why have you pulled me over? What was that? Did you you want to hit me, mate? (laughs) Did you just calm down, mate? I didn't didn't say that. Yeah, just hector you into fucking taking a swing or something. It's awful. Like, obviously, like, the mm, the common sense underneath this makes sense. You know, emergency workers should be protected or whatever. But the problem, I mean, there's many, many, many problems with mandatory minimum sentencing. But taking away the possibility for extenuating circumstances never seems to be the right move to make. You could if a only dude punches a fucking fireman because the fireman is stopping him from going back into his house to like rescue his kids or something, and then under the fucking strictures of the law that dude then has to go to prison. Fuck that system. I mean that's an extreme example which would probably never happen. But well, it's conceivable. And the firefighter himself would not have to level charges. Yeah. He would have to record that this incident occurred though, and then charges would be laid. Yeah. And he could be penalised for not properly recording that he was assaulted. Yeah, exactly. So it does become insane, and you could only think that this is a good system if Mm. you have lived your entire life at a private school, a private university, and then straight into Mm. the world of bureaucracy, essentially. Yeah. If you have got any experience with the messiness and murkiness Mm of real life, there's no way you could think that this is a reasonable response to anything. I mean, and the judges yeah. should all be on strike right now. Yeah. Fucking, I'll be surprised <laughs> Every when that single judge and magistrate in Victoria should yeah. just refuse to 
try cases until mm. Daniel Andrews fucks off because he's a prick, <laughs> an idiot, and yeah. he's undermining their authority. He's undermining mm. their independence, and the independence of the judiciary is one of the very few things that mm. we have largely got correct in this fucking country, and now that's being dismantled. Yeah, yeah, it seems like an insane... It just It's, it's not a system that works if it needs these corrections, which it doesn't need them. Well, I mean, you're never going to get a judicial system that works in the sense of <laughs> is infallible and magical and, yeah. you know... But that's how people think when they think about these systems. They think in very simple, machinic, procedural terms of, like, scumbag punches paramedic, scumbag goes to jail. Yeah. You know, and then, I don't know, gets lost or And then something. next time he might kill the paramedic because he's been fucking prison trained. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, yeah. These are the same people that kind of want all sentences to be life sentences because they have a fucking conniption when somebody gets out of prison. Yeah. No, like, they they don't understand that prison's not meant to be a permanent mm. feature. It's And it was always intended as a restorative in kind of UK, Australian, mm. Commonwealth tradition, although it's not always been used for that. It's almost never used as a corrective remedy mm. in the kind of barbaric and stupid thinking of 18th century um, policy planners it was supposed to achieve a social good it wasn't meant to be purely punitive they yeah. literally thought it would help but it was the 18th century so they were wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however have, uh, uh, I'll take it, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit excited just <laughs> that's alright the prison sentencing regime the mm. judicial system and policing can only work and this is a much more profound point can only work if you've got a reasonably functional society in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If, that makes sense. If it is reasonable to assume that people should behave in a reasonable fashion and mm. they refuse to do so, yeah. you can say, well, we can take these reasonable corrective measures to get you back on the straight and narrow. Yeah. But we do not have that functioning society for anybody to go back to. In most cases, yeah. crimes are committed precisely because of societal breakdown. Yeah, uh, that's broadly true. You then institutionalise people and then re-release them into the wild. Mm. The RSPCA knows not to do this with fucking cats (laughs) and dogs. And we think it is an appropriate way of treating human beings. It is nuts. It's outrageous. The... Look, I'm in broad agreement with you, and I could fucking go into rages about this for hours on end as well, because it's one of the biggest bugbears that I have about modern Western society is our attitude towards the judicial system and towards prisons generally. But uh, I don't understand how to get people to understand that context is important, because it seems like such a fucking simple thing uh, to say, well, the reason that this community is sort of heavy in crime is not because these people are scumbags because that's a fucking fake idea yeah but because you know they're born into desperate situations and you have never fucking come into contact with an emergency worker that's the sort of blessed life that you lead so why are you like these people deal with cops by the time they're fucking seven years old or whatever yeah and they look you know don't have prospects or fucking support systems or whatever. And and fewer and fewer people have got prospects and support systems. Mm. You know, 
it's not just the kind of lumpen proletariat now who have been shut out of prospects and futures. No, it's Most encroaching. Most working people now mm. have an even chance of getting out of their working life with, you know, as much achieved as they owe. Yeah. So it's a, a zero-sum. Yeah. Yeah, and... Absolute there's fucking nowhere existential stasis. What to a- go from it. And that the level of anger, insecurity, and mm. horror that breeds, especially as we live in an increasingly godless society where people are more and more aware that this is their one fucking life that they get to have, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a, I wonder why people consider that to be a dangerous opinion to have if they're in the fucking halls of power. Um, so if Daniel Andrews... Get back to the point. Tough on crime is not the same as being tough on criminals. Mm. If you want to extinguish crime, you need to essentially remove the social causes. So, in one sense, they could be tough on crime by being tough on criminals if they punished the fucking bankers and politicians and... If uh, we're going to talk about white-collar crime, then yeah, I think, you know, it's it's ridiculous to me that you can go to prison for, mm. you know using physical violence to steal thousands of dollars, but mm. you usually get off reasonably scot-free by using political violence to steal millions of dollars, yeah. Yeah, which is the, like that Which is just using someone and- else's muscle, basically. Yeah, yeah. That crime and misconduct is so often what directly leads to the material conditions which sort of help to foment crime in the, like, fucking yeah. lower well, classes and stuff. Pe- people have to earn a living, right? And if they have to mm. do it in the black market, they have to do it in the black market. It's that simple. Yeah. It's really not hard. Um, so here's a really easy practical example. War on drugs, mm-hmm. right? And the amount of unnecessary criminals that has created. Yeah. You know, some substances ought to be controlled substances. And I think in cases where you've got stuff like ice... Um, heroin, because of the power of the addiction heroin can exert over people. Sure. Fair enough. We can control these substances. But when you're talking about things like marijuana, like cocaine, like Mm. ecstasy, outlawing these drugs has created a gigantic criminal enterprise that's international. And it's also one of the reasons why you've got shitty, horrible drugs like crocodile and (laughs) fucking ice and... What's the the new thing? Um, Cheza, whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know. It's horrible. One it's of the many. Incredibly bad, but it's a cheap high and it's available because fentanyl. Yeah, uh, Jenkum. Opioids. The worst. Have you you know about Jenkum? I know about Jenkum. Yeah, what a tragedy. The name uh, belies the horror of the substance. The horror of the very real, definitely used Jenkum eca- epidemic. Yeah. Um. It's also important to make the distinction between, like, legalising and decriminalising there. Like, even it is, and probably decriminalisation will be the best we can hope for. But there's no real reason mm. if alcohol is legal. Why yeah, but I'm, other... I'm talking about those controlled substances. Yeah. Like, if somebody's an oh, ice yeah. addict or a heroin addict... Oh, God, addict yeah, no, that shouldn't be... be that still shouldn't be criminalised. Yeah. We should try yeah. to control the substances, but you shouldn't be criminalising people who've... Because it's a health... I know this is, this is kind of becoming an increasingly popular point of view. It's still largely a minority view in the community, but it's mm. a health problem. It's not a, yeah, you know, character problem. And if it's not a character problem, it's really not a criminal problem. Yeah. Um, mental health is not something that you can mm. morally criminalise or decriminalise. It's just a health issue. Yeah. Um, so if we 
were to get rid of this black market incentive for drugs, for mm. instance, organised crime would collapse. It would be so easy. Yeah. People's quality of life would improve. Well, yeah. we have the model in the prohibition that obviously the black market with the prohibition completely fell out after re-legalisation and... Of course, the same thing would happen, but in the case of uh, the US, obviously, there are hugely uh, vested interests in... I keep using hugely before vested, which I don't know if that's a good way of speaking, but I... As long as you uh, don't start pronouncing it hugely, I don't think we have to worry too much. Yeah, yes, good point. So, these hugely invested interests are in... (laughs) What a bit. In keeping people in prison... So there are a number of people who make their fucking crust and their political capital off keeping people in prison in the US. They have fucking staggering incarceration numbers. Uh, You'll be listening to the sound of the Ah, man with the leaf blower. Uh, listener, just please For try to ignore it. very brief moment, I thought the entire recording apparatus <laughs> had just had its day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's also a risk, but... Um, ah, that's fine. Yeah, so it, in the US, there's obviously people who want to keep people in prison, and it, it's a, a financial concern... It is a, a financial concern, concern and ...for it's... people... To, to perpetuate the war on drugs for reasons which have nothing to do with, like, the quality of the social fabric or the criminality of this. And in, in that case, we have to come to terms with the fact that our political leaders are colluders mm. in a gigantic criminal conspiracy. Yeah. Basically, that's that simple. That's uh, not... <laughs> perfectly... Again, if you want to get tough on crime, that. the criminal... The criminal element in society... Mm. is mostly composed of people who harbour no more average ill will than anybody else. Sure. They're mostly criminals by result of circumstance. Mm -hmm. There are some people who go out of their way to be criminals, but they're an extremely small number compared to people who just have that option, and that's the option that they have. Uh, And once you've got a criminal record, it narrows it. You basically are forced to (laughs) remain a criminal. It's like, you know, when they used to brand... the big P for pirate on people's foreheads. Yeah. It's like, well, well, what am I going to do now? I guess. Yo ho ho! Pretty it's much a fucking pirate's life for me. I guess. <laughs> Thanks for the choice, I governor. Was only on that ship because they gave me the choice of joining their crew or getting shot in the face. But now yeah. I have to be enthusiast. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So um, as long as Daniel Andrews wants to continue presiding over a broken society, mm-hmm. he's going to have to keep being more and more draconian like this because yes. it's the only thing that will allow the public to think that he's taking crime seriously. And he's not. Well, he's this is this doing is, nothing yeah. to address the circumstances of crime. No, of course. But this is, I think, potentially the reason for this is that uh, basically as soon as he got into it and this fucking youth crime horse shit and apex gang horse shit kicked up. Oh, that's right. The Africans. Yeah. I forgot about the Africans. It meant that every fucking minute thing that the Andrews government would say, they'd be like, oh, we just finished the level crossing uh, removal in Blackburn or whatever. What are you going to do about all these black teenagers that no one's ever met? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was like one punch up in the CBD. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, a punch up in the drunk teenagers have fight in CBD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was it wasn't just. The oh, gang they ruined shit. They the were- Moomba parade. Good. <laughs> Should always be ruined. It's stupid. Let's I was taken into to- the festivities. <laughs> I got taken to Moomba once. It's a disgrace. Cool. I have no strong opinions on Moomba either way. It's a lot of people pretending not to be racist. And as you can see from this, <laughs> pretending very badly not to be racist. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that and there was like just generally youth crime and it's like, I'm already torturing them. What more do you want? And so, but that's just the thing is when it becomes like mimetic like that, that yeah. Daniel Andrews isn't tough and on crime. So the, the kindest thing that you can say about him is that mm. he's a coward who's prepared to sacrifice people for his yes, political future. Exactly. That's that. That's the most <laughs> That's charitable the kindest thing you can say about him. Um, or that he's genuinely just fucking stupid. Maybe is. That's also a possibility. Maybe I think he's. I don't think he is that stupid, though. I think he's just an evil coward. I think I think he's just without a coward. A conscience. And I think he wants the opportunity to, like... This is the delusion of all politicians. They're like, if I can buy a little bit more time, then I can do the big things, which I think will help. But, of course, they never get to do a, a fucking 20th of the big things. No, because they spend all their time compromising. Yeah. You know who gets things done is fucking blundering maniacs like yeah. Trump and Bush. Because they don't ever... It doesn't even occur to these assholes that they're going to lose office one day. This is the they huge advantage of the in. right wing. <laughs> Generally, the, like, heavy reactionary right wing is that... Yeah, exactly. They just get in there and they're like, oh, right, now it's illegal not to say, I love God every 30 seconds. <laughs> I love God. It's and like, because it never insane. occurred to anybody that you'd try to... Ad- go for that there are yeah. no defenses in place against it yeah it's like the maginot line with the french like mm. you can't invade us through belgium we didn't think of that <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> oh um, we didn't put anything there oh gee. yeah yeah surrender then <laughs> <laughs> fuck the english will not let us forget this <laughs> All right. Um, Sorry, we don't have a channel. The the last time I can think of that really happening, I mean, Rudd came on pretty strong. Yeah, Uh, and and Rudd and Gillard both got a lot done, but Rudd um, jellied on the double dissolution issue about mm, the uh, carbon tax, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, I guess, with the Greens... The Greens were being fucking ridiculous. Shitting the yeah. bed there. Thanks, guys. Good foresight. Well, it's like their first little taste of power, and they, yeah, they shat yeah. the bed. Didn't they? I can see how it seems like a good idea to be like, no, more actually effective climate policy, but now we have nothing. Now we have nothing. And it's not as though the carbon tax wouldn't have been an effective policy. Because you can take that money and use it to fund alternative energy sources. It was like a world talked about- Yeah, it was brilliant. uh, Paper. The the Garno- I mean, Garno said that the measures proposed by the Rudd government weren't far enough, but the general strategy was well regarded. Yeah, and it's it's much easier to enhance legislation that's in place already Mm. than it is to just, yeah- start from scratch again if yeah. you get another chance to in 30 fucking years or whatever yeah. it's going to be. And this may seem counterintuitive given that both of us, I think, have just said how infuriating it is when people compromise, but that's not about compromise. It's not like Obama failing to push through healthcare where he had the power to do no, it. No, because the difference is- getting the maximal Getting as much as you can done. you can yeah. get done. 
and not attempting to be bipartisan or whatever, because fuck that noise. They'll just, they're selling us down the river. So if you're a politician and you're saying, I'm going to try and work across the aisle, what you're saying is, fuck you guys. We're more interested in pleasing these fucking snakes than in helping the people. That's right. And I guess in, if I have any sympathy at all for a state government in this matter, mm. it's that as a state government, they do have far f- less power in terms of their spending mm. capacity and their legislative capacity than the federal government does. Especially after kind of the precedent set by the Abbott government and the oh, hilarious God, hockey budget, yeah. which we've talked Jesus about before. Jesus fucking Christ, absolutely. But still said, mm. Daniel Andrews should have taken this as a chance to set an example towards reforming society, and he didn't. Yeah. Uh, all he's done is basically say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do horrible things to people who, for mm. whatever reason, fall out the standards of acceptable behaviour that I've set. Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest safe in the knowledge that this system will not lead to any further abuses whatsoever. Yeah. There's simply there's simply no broad ethical or philosophical or political justification for, like, tying a teenager to a fucking chair and putting a bag over his head and fucking electrifying his nipples or whatever the fuck they did. There's not really much justification for putting them in any kind of conventional prison in the first place. No, but you can, see, you can see how that debate gets confused. Oh, but when yeah. you get to the state Jesus. of torturing fucking child prisoners, there's, there's just genuinely no way that that is anything yeah. other than a disingenuous And they're like, oh, well, he wouldn't let us touch him. Why don't fucking try to touch him? Just leave him in his cell then. If he, Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, if I <laughs> just let him have his hissy fit, he'll want to have dinner eventually and he'll come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You fucking work at a teenager's <laughs> prison. How are you not aware of this behavioural management shit? We should get creche teachers in there. That's what we should do. We should sack these fucking yeah. screws and just give all the creche. Do you guys want an extra 30 grand a year? There, go. Mm. Manage the juvenile detention centres. <laughs> that would achieve something, potentially. Well, yeah, educators who actually care about the welfare of their charges might be a good thing. Yeah, as opposed to screws who've just been given the ultimate weapon in... Stitching up their fucking charges. Fucking screws, man. Cannot Sentence yourself to a life in prison. You are a <laughs> weird fucking person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have nightmares about working at prisons. People do it just fully voluntarily. It blows my mind. And not even as a social worker or a counsellor or a doctor. Like, no, I just mm. want to be a guard. That's my thing, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. want to control these people. Yeah, I want to be able to tase people. Essentially, and guards get to do it more often than cops do. And, you know, G4S gives me an international family of like-minded sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. What a fucking train wreck. God damn. I'm not allowed in the army reserves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I tried to join the military, but when I gave them my fucking 600-page manifesto on cleaning up society... And the police made me do this fucking beep test or some shit. I wasn't having that. (laughs) Yeah. This is the life for me. Look, I got too much muscle to be able to do that beep test. I got 250 kilos of pure muscle. Um, yeah. But yeah, late stage capitalist society has to be completely uh, and totally changed. Otherwise, crime is just going to continue to be the Mm. bedevilment it always has, essentially. 
yeah. and, and abusing people more makes it more of a problem, not less of a problem. Of and course. If that doesn't uh, say to your lust for justice, well, mm. you know, that's why we have professional judges not baying fucking lynch mobs making these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Abolish prisons. Yeah, fucking kill prisons. They're useless. Mm. Anyway. Terrible. Um, that's uh, look, that's my little bit done. We've got your bit now. Yeah, but uh, I'm just going to add it. Like, we're nearly through the hour, and I don't have a... Like, this is well, related. We can go over a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is related People to can just, just pause it and listen to, later uh, if they've got a really tight podcasting schedule. Sure. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. But it's, it's supplementary, and it's just like a little bit that I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, because this is broadly uh in line with some academic research that I've done in the past that's not directly like socialist related but uh speaks to it a little bit which is to say that like I talked a little bit about Patrick Colquhoun last week mm, I think that's right the uh police uh guy and I can just provide some more uh details there 1798 that he set up the metropolitan uh river police on the Thames, uh, and his great treatise, which revolutionized, uh, police work across the world. You don't get titles this snappy anymore. Treatise on the police of the metropolis, explaining the various crimes and misdemeanors, which at present are felt as a pressure on the community and suggesting remedies. 1796. This treatise was the original phone book, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, officers may use this device. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, that that's kind of to the side. Um, Foucault talks a lot about power relations, right? I know what you're thinking. Get out of here with that postmodern theory horse shit. Settle down. Listen. It's actually good stuff. Um... Everybody knows about the Panopticon essay or whatever, but people only ever talk about, like, the first four pages of it, which is just Foucault describing the Panopticon, which was a uh, prison invented by Jeremy Bentham, who helped uh, Colquhoun with... He was big into this idea of preventive security, which essentially is just making sure that people feel like they're being watched so that they won't do crime quite so much, which... In principle, is a fine thing, but Foucault talks about this shift from early punitive models of society, which meant that if you committed a crime, then you got involved with the police, you got punished, uh, you were often publicly punished, and it was just kind of like corrective rather than preventive. Uh, he talks about the shift from that type of society to the modern society of uh disciplines the disciplinary society which is very much about self-policing right so uh you are trained to be a good student and a good worker and a good uh you know member of the community or whatever so you self-police you police those around you by kind of uh exile or reporting or whatever uh so that you kind of maintain your own position and power doesn't have to sort of bother itself about keeping you in control. The way that Foucault describes it is uh, power is shifted to the surface of its application. So rather than being a thing which forces itself on somebody else, it acts on that uh, subject. So 
the reason that I bring this up is not just to bore everybody with fucking my admittedly very shallow understanding of Foucault and disciplinary society. It's to talk about, firstly, how crazy it is that we still rely on punitive methodology uh, as a sort of stated uh, yeah. solution for crime, because that's that's wacko, but also maybe to explain why that's happening. The power relation of a disciplinary society f- makes people who are sort of inculcated into this thinking... It makes them identify with the power structure, not with the community. And so people are, in identifying with that power structure, side with, like, the cops and the politicians and, you know, the good citizens against the undesirables and the scumbags, which is kind of what you're talking about with we... we demonize these people and we fail to address their material conditions because we have been trained to identify them as exterior to correct society which we're a part of that's and right which the cops are part of that's and right which the politicians are a part of uh i think like I, I i don't know i think that this theory is still relevant when we're describing power relations and the way that people are tricked into thinking about themselves in relation to power and the reason that these problems are so fucking deeply seated and impossible to shift is partially because people don't identify as the criminal they identify as the cop you know in cops and robbers they want to be the one chasing i think that's a pretty fair point yeah i think it's important also just quickly to remember that these movements these like gestures of power and control it's not it's obviously not about security and it's not about keeping society safe it's about political capital so we have this fucking farce going on which is ostensibly about keeping the community safe but it is just the power structure forcing the community to act in a certain way to uphold the power structure. It's not about the fucking keeping the community safe. It's about yeah, making look, the the people who keep harping on about tough on crime shit be like, all right, yes, and then voting. This is the Andrews government. Ultimately, again. no power structure can devote its entire body of resources mm. to consistently replicating and continuing itself. Mm. You need the governed to do a lot of your work for you. This yeah, is there's a reason. Basically, that, the uh, there's a reason point, that yeah. these judicial systems and political systems shifted around the time of like much, much broader trade and you know the sort of inklings of globalization, mm. because it was necessary if you're going to go and fucking conquer India to have the people, you know. Being mother yet, yet you still had to have old blighty waiting <clears throat> for you when you got back. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a fair point, and in fact, the British imperial legacy is mm. a huge part of this as well. That I'm not going to go into right now. <laughs> Don't panic, Kieran. No, that's all right. I but was impressed by the the the, the hangover from the um, conceptualization of society mm. that the British had in the kind of 16th to 19th centuries mm. still define a huge amount of what is wrong with the whole fucking planet now today, mm. basically. So 
thank you. Those charming little British neuroses are actually the cause of the suffering of billions. Yeah, yeah. Hugh fucking Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, although it's probably, you know, those fucking things would have replicated themselves somehow without the British to be the the mouthpiece for yeah, it. Yeah, but they're the model that we can actually pin it on. Yeah, yeah, so that's, exactly. You know, they were at the top when the when it was at, the, at, at a certain time in history, they happened to be the yeah. dominant power, so they get the blame. Yeah, well. they were the bankers holding the buck when the fucking market crashed, like we were talking about last week. Only they were fucking raping the world, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. So I, I, the reason that I wanted to bring this stuff in, and I'm, I'm wary about bringing too much of this, like, critical theory stuff into this. No, you can trust it. I think you can trust our listeners. Not, not because I think it's too difficult for people or whatever, but I'm worried. An especially intelligent and, 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 uh, and sexually potent group of people. They'll love Mikhail Oh, you don't, you don't have to tell me that. Um, <clears throat> I know that for sure. But uh, it's, it's obviously, like, abstract and academic in nature. It's not designed to be, like, kind of rabble-rousing rhetoric or... <clears throat> anything no, like that, that was not one of his and speaking it's... to the people was not one of Michelle's strengths. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> But I think there's something I'm not a fucking Foucault expert as well. That should bear repeating. He's a I did some minor research on him. Uh but I think that his um I think postmodern theory generally is a lot more applicable to these issues than people give it credit for, because there's this fucking uh like frisson between the postmodernists and the Marxists, people then think that postmodern theory is, like, just... Completely bunkum. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't think is is true. It's just that it's acting in a much sort of less involved way than Marxist well, theory. Or I mean, po- postmodernism is actually a, a very useful tool. Yeah, 100%. It's just, it's just not always useful all the time, but mm. no tools are. That's why you have boxes of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the Builder's Guide to Philosophy and <laughs> <yeah>. Critical Theory. <laughs> and nobody could ever deny that some of these writers were, in fact, tools. So, <laughs> To a man with <laughs> postmodernism, everything mm. needs to be deconstructed. Mm. Every, um, every, yeah. every problem is a... D- anyway. Yes. Yes. I mean, maybe that's a fair criticism of Derrida is just, he was just like, let's deconstruct everything. But he was having fun and he was doing his own thing. And also he was talking about power and fucking massive shifts between the sort of disenfranchised and the oppressors and shit like that. It's all relevant, I think. It's all relevant. And I think if you're interested in how you function as a potentially brainwashed individual within a society, which we are all sort of indoctrinated into certain ways of thinking and stuff. This is ideology. Uh, it's This is a really good place to go to to kind of analyse that. And Look, yeah, I mean, society essentially has, has similar antibodies to an organic creature. Mm. And unfortunately, um, those can go rogue and consume the healthy cells, right? Yeah. So you need to learn how to inoculate yourself against these social antibodies that will try and resist any change to the yeah to the fabric. Yeah, 
plus Foucault and Bart and shit, they're all just a bunch of like delightful queer men who were trying to fucking, they couldn't just be like, gay, being gay is all right. Cause it was, well, this is how so cons- they- conservatism <laughs> breeds its own grave diggers, right? Mm. If they just let these guys have sex with each other a hundred years ago, <laughs> yeah. then <laughs> there'd be so much less critical theory pointing out what load of bullshit conservative thinking is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Don't give intelligent people <laughs> reasons to hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a fair point. So any concluding thoughts, Kieran? Um, I think I did have some, but I can't remember. Oh, I just wanted to, yes, acknowledge that I left that Col uh thing hanging. That was around that gesture of shifting from punitive to disciplinary. Yeah. Was, is bound up in like preventive police policing which i mean is better than having your fucking dick chopped off by the fucking town executioner in the yeah, square yeah it's better i mean it's what's one of these cases of like yeah congratulations you're better than the feudal system yeah 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 if we're <laughs> talking about if we're talking about an advantage that society stumbled across <laughs> in 1798 uh then perhaps it's worth uh revisiting how we once again questioning how good we are at this whole mm. civilization thing mm. because mm. we've had cities for over 12,000 years now mm. and we're still really apart from apart from sanitation and electricity yeah. we still have some pretty fucking bronze age thinking about oh, a lot yeah. of these issues we're shit house um in a lot of ways fuck man I had something on the tip of my tongue and I just plum forgot it. Like, literally, that year was leading up to something and then it, it fell away. Well, I suppose I, if I had a concluding thought, it would yeah. be simply this. If you're going to build a society based on capital accumulation, wealth inequality, and power disparity, mm. then you are being soft on crime because you're creating a society in which crime has to flourish. Very well said. Because legitimacy has no place amongst anyone under the upper middle classes. Yeah, very well put. I remembered what I was going to say. Sweet. I was just buying time for you. We have we have scando countries that have good yeah, fucking prison right. systems, as with everything. So. I mean, there's still, you know, a journey there with a lot that needs to be done. But they are a tip mm. of a spear, right? Yeah. They're demonstrable, concrete there are, proof. There are models. That, that there is murderer a more, more mature way broke of out shit. In the middle of the night, did you hear about that? In fucking Sweden or something? The murderer broke out of his cell or, like... They left it unlocked or something, and he went to the kitchen, and he got a knife, and he baked a fucking cake. That was what he did, because he felt <laughs> respected and, like, rehabilitated or something by this system. And he was like, oh, I'm going to be naughty and make myself a cake, because we only get cake, like, once every two weeks in this <laughs> magical prison or something. They have insanely low rates of recidivism. They, they do, very because their, their model is not based on satiating the emotions of the wronged. Mm. It, it, it's based on fixing people and making yeah. them function again. And it seems like the public bloodlust kind of eventually well, because ebbs people a because bit. people learn things, right? Mm. People and people become proud of the fact that they are an enlightened society, and yeah. people become braver once they realise there's less to fear. Yeah, Pos- you, you can have death spirals. You can also have virtuous cycles. Yeah, know? well said. All I right. have faith in us. I, I think most of us are all right. We've just been raised very badly. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let us conclude this journey. That was a good discussion. 
I, I, I got a little bit emotional. I'm ashamed of that, but I, I shan't. No, that's all right. Like, if we talk about this thing at a at an order of separation, at an order of distance, and we have a lot of, like, shit jokes that we make about how fucked up all of this is. But, like, the prison system is, and, like, the judicial system is one of those sites where... As with the the Israel Palestine thing that we talked oh, about, yeah. where it, it it is just you can't help but like it's just like, obviously is, so it's stupid and immoral, so, yeah, yeah, and you don't want to be a part of a fucking society that's perpetrating these things, and so it makes sense to get angry, I think, and also your version of emotional <laughs> on the scale of like broadcasters <laughs> at the moment is extremely mild. I didn't have to touch the mic levels. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything, so don't worry about it. All right. I won't worry about it. All right, listener. I love you. Goodbye. And good night. Talk shit, my best.